Well, we're looking at the life and ministry of Paul, an incredible man. Uh, I, I know that you all probably are saying to yourselves, one day we're going to get to go talk to him and, and say, how, how did you do that? You were amazing and, and just so much. He is a man used by God. He took the good news message of Jesus Christ really to the known world, trusted Christ on the road to Damascus, then was, went everywhere, wrote 13 letters, three missionary journeys. For the last weeks, we've been seeing how he got arrested, spent two years in prison, then got back out, traveled around, got arrested again, put back in prison. <clears throat> he wrote the, what we call the prison epistles and everything, and then he was put to death. And so Paul's life was so amazing. And last week we started, we're looking at what we call Paul's theology. What was Paul's theology? Now, theology, you may say, what does all that mean? Uh, the Greek word for God is theos, and the Greek word for word is logos. So theos and logos put together is theology, okay? And so that means it's the words about God. So Paul's words about God, in other words, we would say, what, when we study the Bible and we say, what, what's the theology of the Bible? What, what does the Bible say about God or what does the Bible say about any aspect? Because that's all the words of God. So what did Paul teach? What did he say? And we've been looking at that. Uh, last week we started and looked at some things. <clears throat> so as we begin this morning, we could raise this question. What is the purpose of a local church? What's the purpose of our local church? We have a purpose, a plan, and a process. What's our purpose? It is to do what? Make disciples. It is. I mean, that's the bottom line. There it is. It, it, and making disciples involves two things, evangelism and training. Evangelism is leading people to Christ. Training is, is taking the truths and discipling them. And so one's evangelism, one is discipleship. And that's what we're supposed to do. And if you look at our sign... What does it say? Proclaiming Christ, training believers. If you go look at our, you know, our curtain thing, our tablecloth, it says the same thing. If you go look and see information about the youth, about the college, about the children's ministries, about anything, it's the same thing. Our goal is to make disciples. We want to proclaim the salvation message and equip believers. And that goes back to Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And, and as you think about Paul taught, what did he teach? He taught we should proclaim the Word of God, that we should make application, that we should teach others, we should do all of these different things. Well, this morning, we're continuing to look at the life of Paul and his theology, because we, we've gone all the way through his life, and the, the last thing we saw over a couple of weeks ago was Paul was, best we could tell, was put to death, uh, most likely with his head cut off. He was a Roman uh, citizen, so he should, couldn't have been crucified, and so they probably put him to death with the sword. We looked at, and we said, here's some areas that we want to talk about. The gospel, salvation, eternal life, the church, the Christian life, spiritual gifts, and the end times. Those are all what we call theology or theological sections. So the Bible talks about the gospel and salvation and church and eternal life and all those things. So what did Paul say? Because when we go and we're studying what Paul wrote in those 13 letters, we see that he deals with every one of these subjects. In fact, so many of the things that we believe come from the letters that Paul wrote, which, of course, God, with the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, used Paul to write the letters. We saw last time the gospel, salvation, eternal life, and the church. We just briefly, now listen, we're not going into the details. We're just briefly talking about these things. This morning, we're going to look at two things. We're going to look at the Christian life and spiritual gifts. What did Paul say about how to live the Christian life? What did Paul say about spiritual gifts? And that's very important. And so in the power of the Holy Spirit that God used, God would used Paul to write down these let, this information, send it to particular churches based on issues there, and we have them. And so we have, I've told you to turn to the book of Ephesians. And you realize that 
Ephesians is what we call a circular letter. The information in the book of Ephesians could go to any church. He most likely wrote it to Ephesus first, and then they passed them. We know they passed all the letters around anyway. But Ephesians gives us uh, really some general great truths of who we are in Christ and how to live out who we are. Let's talk about the Christian life. How does Paul say that we live the Christian life? It's very important because he wrote a whole bunch of letters. Think about it. What did he say? Here's what we say. The Christian life is a walk of faith in the power of the Holy Spirit based on the Word of God. Now, that's the Christian life. The Christian life, notice, is a walk of faith in the power of the Holy Spirit based on the Word of God. So we basically live in God's power, trusting Him and living, living out God's Word in our lives through God's power. So let's talk about the Christian life, how Paul says it. And we talk about it, first of all, it is a walk of faith. The Christian life is called a walk. We know that it's, it's, a, it's a race and it's a boxing match and it's a wrestling match. But the way that it's used mostly in the scripture is to walk. And Paul starts off by saying, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, this is when he, one of his prison epistles, implore you to what? To walk in a manner worthy the calling which you've been called. We're called children of God. We're called saints. We're called uh, holy ones in that sense. He says, live out who you are. And so the very first thing that we would say about the Christian life and the walk of the Christian life is we walk worthy of our calling. We live out who we are. We live out as saints of God. Sometimes we don't even realize that, but that's what we do. And here's what's amazing. It's a walk of faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. So many things that the Word of God tells us, some of them hadn't happened yet, especially end times things. And, and even when, when he says, I'll provide all your needs, you may say, well, I don't know, I hope he will, because some of it's a future aspect, right? Or if he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you, you say, well, I feel like he's there, or do I feel like he's not there? I mean, one of the great truths is we walk by faith. We take God at his word. That's what faith is. Now, by the way, don't get all mixed up because people get all kind of different things, but faith is simply taking God at his word. If he says, when you believe in me, I give you what? So faith is saying, I believe that Jesus Christ gives me what? Eternal life. And when we say walk by faith, the Christian life is a walk of faith. We, we go back to the truths and things that we know, and we live that out. So the first aspect, it's a walk of faith. The second thing, it's in the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice what he says, but I say walk by the Spirit. You'll not care the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against spirit, spirit against flesh. They're in opposition to one another. You may not do the things you please. There's a battle going on. And he says, if we're going to have victory in the Christian life, it's a walk of faith, but it's in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? He's God. You know, there's a lot of people who think the Holy Spirit is like a, like a magic thing. They say, okay, there's God the Father, and then there's God the Son, and then the Spirit is just something that happens. No, the Spirit's a person too. In fact, when you look at the Scripture carefully, the, all of the characteristics of, of the Father and the Son are also the same characteristics of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And, and God the Father, does He have a body? No, He's a spirit being. Does God the Son have a body? Yes. Does God the Spirit have a body? Hmm? No. So, so basically, the Father and the Spirit don't have bodies. 
So when we say the Holy Spirit's just kind of some magic thing, no, no, the Father doesn't have a body and the Spirit doesn't have a body. Jesus had a body because he left the glories of heaven and became a human being. So he says, here's just how you live the Christian life. It's in the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, walk by the Spirit. And once again, remember he said, we said the Christian life is a walk. It's a walk of faith. And he says, walk in the Spirit. That means live your life. The, the Greek word for walk is a, Greek, is a word called peripatao, and it means to go around. And they used it for walk because you, you walked around. It means step by step. And so he's saying step by step in the power of the Holy Spirit, that's how you live. When you do that, you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. There's this battle. Flesh against spirit, spirit against flesh. They're contrary to one another. They're in opposition to one another. And he says there's this battle going on. So in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have victory. Now, let me remind you of something, and this is what Adam's going to teach in his class. It's our identity in Christ. We died and rose again with Christ to a new life, and so to live the Christian life in the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to realize that when we trusted in Jesus Christ, we're placed in Christ. We died with him. We were buried with him. We rose with him to a new life, Romans 6, 11, and 12. So even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's 11. So that, that that's it. And Adam's class called Newness of Life this semester, in this fall in Grow Group, I mean in uh, SBI, he's going to be talking about this. He's going to be talking about our identity in Christ and how we're connected with Christ and we died and rose again with Christ. And that's how you have victory in the Christian life. So Paul says, listen, you, it's a walk of faith and then it's in the power of the Holy Spirit and you have to realize who you are. You walk, you know, it's who we are, a new creation in Christ. You died and rose again, and so in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then the third thing, remember what it is? It's a walk of faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's based on the Word of God, and this is the key. There has to be an authority. There has to be something that you go back to. I love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses. We proclaim him. Christ. Paul is right, and he says, we, by the way, remember, every verse I'm putting up here is Paul. I mean, we could go other places to find the same truths, but Paul, we're looking at Paul and his theology. Paul says with this, we proclaim Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man. And admonishing has the idea of encouraging. Teaching means taking truths and, and with all what? Wisdom. Why? Why do we admonish, encourage, and teach with wisdom so that we may present every man, and he's talking about every person there, complete in Christ, and the word complete means mature. He says, what we want to do is we want to teach you so that you can, we take you the truths of the Bible so that ultimately you become a mature person. That's what happens. You live it out. You grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. And think about Ephesians 4.12. Uh, the whole thing, we're equipping saints for the work of the service, the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So who's supposed to grow and mature and do the ministry? You are, right? You are. And it goes back to the Bible. He says, it's a walk of faith, taking God basically at his word. I mean, take, trusting him in the power of the Holy Spirit, living it out, knowing our identity in Christ, and based on the word of God. That is the bottom line. And, and let me just show you something. We've seen this a lot of times. But here's what Paul does. Paul gives three key things dealing with the word of God. He says, you should study the Bible, you should apply the Bible, and you should teach the Bible. He says, you should study it. 2 Timothy 2.15, the last letter he wrote, he said to Timothy, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. What does he say to do? Handling accurately 
the word of truth. It literally says, rightly dividing the word of truth. He says, you should study. The word be diligent, that means to dig something. Dig yourself, present yourself, dig it, so you can be approved to God. You don't have to be ashamed. You can know the word of God. I've had people say to me, oh, I wish I knew the Bible. It's like, I'm ashamed I don't know the Bible. You don't have to be ashamed to not know the Bible. You know how? Know the Bible, and then you won't be ashamed. So he says, be diligent, dig it, dig it to present yourself approved to God. And so Paul says, you got to study the Bible. My prayer is this, that every one of you, besides having what we call a quiet time, I, I, I make a distinction between a quiet time and Bible study. Quiet time might be I get up and I read some of the Psalms or I read something or I read a little passage and I pray to God and I talk about stuff. That's a quiet time. Studying the scripture, being diligent to pursue self, handle accurately the word of truth is where I get there and I'm studying a passage and you're studying a passage. You're studying the book of the Bible. You're seeing how things fit together. You're beginning to understand maybe what, the, let's just throw this out, what salvation is. There's a justification salvation, a sanctification salvation, and a glorification salvation. Do you know most Christians don't know that? And whenever they see the word salvation in the Bible, they think it always means eternal life salvation when the truth is it doesn't usually mean eternal life salvation. Uh, so, in fact, in the Old Testament, almost every time salvation is used in the Old Testament, it's used for physical deliverance. So be careful. So you're rightly dividing the word. So I'm hoping and praying that all of our people have a time, maybe if it's just once a week, that you actually say, I'm going to spend 30 minutes and I'm going to get up by myself. I'm going to get my Bible, and I'm going to begin to read it and study it. I'm going to do the observation, interpretation, application. If you don't know how to do that, take take Brian's class, the 412. It really gets into how to do all that. And so you could take that class, and you put all these things together. So study the Bible. Then Paul goes on to say, make application. He says to Timothy, or to the Philippians, I'm sorry. He says, to things you learned and received and heard and think of me, all this stuff, you learned it, you got it, you heard it, you saw it, practice these things. Live it out. Live out the truths of the Bible. It's real easy. Well, it's not super easy. It's easy to gain information about the Bible. What's really hard is living it out. And that's why at the end of every passage, we say, let's look at some applications. Because the, the whole reason for studying it is not just to know it, it is to apply it. Paul says, make application. The things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Live it out. Live it out. Then, Paul says, you got to study it, you got to apply it, and then you got to teach others. And this is where we really break down. Because he says in 2 Timothy 2, 2, the things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful people, faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Now, if you'd like to do that, that's my class. It's called the 2-2, and I'm going to take the theology of the Bible, and over a period of 28 lessons, 14 in the fall, 14 in the spring, we're going to go through the Bible and put the Bible together for you so you can be ready to give an answer, so you can take what you've heard, and then you can entrust it. You can teach other people because the goal is to study the Bible, apply the Bible, and teach the Bible. And so most people would say things like, oh, I'm not a teacher. It didn't say that you had to be a teacher. It said, take what you know and pass it on to somebody else. You don't have to have the gift of teaching. You don't even have to be a teacher to take what you know and pass it on. And so that's why we have our classes. That's why we do all these things, so that you can be trained and equipped, so you can study it, apply it, and teach it. That's the, that's the, the bottom line. And so the Christian life is a walk of faith, going back to Scripture, in the power of the Holy Spirit, living out our identity in Christ, based on the Word of God, equipping believers to study it, apply it, and to teach it. 
So where are you in this? Think about it. Where are you? Are you, are you, are, are you trusting God? Are we saying it's a walk of faith? Are you living in the power of the Holy Spirit? And is it, does it go back to the Bible? And are you studying the Bible? Are you trying to apply the Bible? And are you actually taking and passing it on? Let me just say this to you. If you study the Bible with the goal of teaching someone else, you'll really study it. I mean, you'll have to because you're saying, okay, do I understand this enough to tell this to somebody else? Because that's the plan. So when you study it, apply it, and pass it on. Let me throw one other thing out there. Be sure you apply it because you can study it and pass it on, but if you don't apply it, eventually people won't listen to you because you're not living out. You're not living out what you teach. And so we want to live out what we teach. Walk of faith, power of the Holy Spirit, based on the Word of God. Boy, that's a lot of stuff, isn't it? That's, that's just basic Paul's teaching about the Christian life. And that's a real basic thing. It's not, I didn't go in detail. Well, let's talk about spiritual gifts. Now, that is some controversy. And let me start by saying this. When, when I trusted Christ, I trusted Christ in college in 1969, and then I didn't start growing until about 1974, 75. I was coaching at Mississippi State. I started growing in 1974, 75, 76, 70. And in 1981, I went on to Dallas Seminary. So, but the issue in Mississippi, guys, I lived in Mississippi. The issue in Mississippi in that time was the whole charismatic movement, all going back to spiritual gifts, speaking in tongues and signs and miracles and all those kind of things. That was what was going on. And, of course, probably people in Oklahoma with Oral Roberts and those things were real close. You probably had the same kind of issues. But I just know that the two issues that I faced when I first started growing as a Christian was Church of Christ saying you had to be baptized to be saved and Charismatic saying you had to speak in tongues to be saved. Those are the two issues I dealt with. Now, it seems like in recent years the whole Charismatic thing is sort of, it's just not as as big as it was or pushing as it was. And so, so let's talk about spiritual gifts because this is, this is a big part of the Bible. And, and the truth is this, every believer has at least one gift and we're supposed to use our spiritual gifts to serve one another. That's how it works. So what are spiritual gifts? They are divine abilities given by God to serve within the body of Christ. Now they're divine abilities. It's, uh, it, for me to be able to get to teach the Bible is not because I've just learned how to be a teacher. It's God's gift that he's actually gifted me to be able to teach. And so it's, it's fun to me to study it and put it together. And I can do that. I, I can do that because God, not because of me. And for you, you may have the gift of health. You may have the gift of administration. You may have the gift of mercy. You may have the gift of giving. You may, and when you use your gift in the same way, you go, it, it's just what I can do. It's just what I want to do. And, and that's what spiritual gifts are. They're divine abilities given by God to serve within the body of Christ. That's what it is. And so we, we look at spiritual gifts are given to equip believers. Notice, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, to the building up of the body of Christ. He gives this, Paul just gave just a few verses there, a few different gifts there. He talks in other places about all the different kinds of gifts and everything. And, and yet, uh, he, uh, there he just mentions, he says, but here's the purpose of gifts. They're to quit believers so that believers can do the ministry so the body can grow. That's the bottom line. Now, every believer has at least one gift. Look at this. Now, there are varieties of gifts, a lot of different gifts, but this is the same spirit he gives them. There are varieties of ministry. This is the same Lord behind it all. There are varieties of effects. Not only are there gifts and different ministries, but different effects. It's the same God who works all things in all persons. Now watch. But to each one, every believer, is given the manifestation of the Spirit, a spiritual gift, basically. Why? Why did he give the gift? For the what? 
for the common good. Gifts are given for the common good of the Bible, of the body. That's what the gifts are given for. So when you exercise your gift or gifts, it's helping the body of Christ. And different gifts are given by God for the common good. And, and let me just say this. God decides what gift you get and who gets the gifts. He decides it. Uh, that's why in the whole charismatic movement, one of the errors they made was they said everyone should speak in tongues. And the Bible actually says not all will speak in tongues. So one of the problems they had is they wanted every believer to speak in tongues when that's not a spiritual gift that's given. In fact, Paul actually says, are all apostles? Do all speak in tongues? The answer is no for every one of them. So God decides what gifts you have. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing, that's talking about the gifts, to each one individually just as he wills. Now, I got the gift of teaching. At least that's one of my gifts, I think. I love it. I'm so glad I get to do it. But I think if I had a different gift and I was exercising, I'd say, I love it. And so, and so I think that's what it is. And so he gives them as he wills. And when he gives you whatever gift or gifts you got, and if you're exercising them, you're going, I love it. This is fantastic. Because he's the one that gives it and he knows what to do. Look at this one right here. Now, God has placed the members each one of them in the body just as he desired. The same aspect of now with each, each member with the gifts are placed in the body just as he desires. And so look at this. So Paul has very, he has lists, lists uh, different lists, and I didn't put them all. It's Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and I, 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 you could put 1 Peter 4 if you want to write that one down. I didn't get it added to this, but 1 Peter 4, and, and it's, uh, that's where all the different gifts are. There's a lot of controversy on, controversy on gifts. We have a spiritual gift inventory. You can go to the website, go under resources. I think it's under resources. I may be wrong. I, I, somebody who looks at the website. It is. Brian says yes, and Brian's always right. So anyway, uh, if you go to resources, you'll find uh, the spiritual gift inventory. And so you could take that. And we're not saying it's going to tell you exactly what your gift or gifts are, but as you write this stuff down, uh, it's going to give you an indication of maybe what, based on the stuff you write, what may be your spiritual gift or gifts. I, we've given this to a lot of people, and most people, when they go through it, they will say, yeah, I think that's me. I think that's me. I think I have the gift of, and, and it, so it's pretty accurate, pretty good. So if you've never taken it, you should take it because you should know what your gift or gifts are so that you can uh, use the gifts within the body of Christ. That's how it starts out. Now, it's not always just in the body of Christ because if you have the gift of evangelism, you're using it outside the body. You're representing the body, but you're, you're talking to unbelievers. But uh, So there's all the different gifts. I, I think the whole body of Christ would change if every believer used their gifts. I mean, think of the large percentage of believers that don't know their gifts at all. Don't, there are some people who don't even know what gifts are. They've never even been taught what spiritual gifts are and how they function and all that kind of stuff, and they don't even know they have a gift, and so there's a lot of those people. And then there's people who know that they've got spiritual gifts and may not even yet know what theirs is. And then there's those who actually know, their spiritual, know what spiritual gifts are and know what their spiritual gift or gifts may be, but they're just not plugged in right now. And what would happen if every Christian exercise their gift. The whole thing would change. The whole thing would change. It's a, when you read Corinthians, I mean, just read chapters 12, 13, and 14, he's actually getting on to them because they're misusing the spiritual gifts in Corinth. 
and he's getting on to them about using their gifts. And the bottom line comes back to chapter 13 when he says, listen, bottom line is you've got to love everybody. And you can exercise and do things, and, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. And so that's why 1 Corinthians 13, everybody talks about it, the love chapter, and they use it at weddings, but it's actually dealing with spiritual gifts. And so it's really powerful. The key is that all works together. Ephesians 4.16, for whom the whole body being fitted and held together by the every joint supplies. Now watch this verse. According to the proper working of each individual part. Who are the parts? Who You are. According to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building of itself up in love. Wow. If all of us do what we're supposed to do, and we're fitted and held together, and I, then the body's going to grow, and it's going to grow in love. And it's going to grow and do what God has for us to do. The proper working of each part causes the growth. We're in a hard time. The culture's gone to pieces. And sometimes with it, the Christians have gone to pieces. And what we should be doing is standing strong, what we believe, what is right, living by the Bible, being lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That's what we should be, which we shine as the lights. And so as believers, as Paul says, listen, what about the Christian life? Walk of faith of the power of the Holy Spirit based on the Word of God. What about spiritual gifts? There are a lot of gifts. Know your gift and use your gifts. And, and let's, let's, let's make an impact in these final years because we don't know how long it's going to be. Let me t- things, there are no signs for the rapture. But there are a lot of things that's going to happen in the tribulation. And for those to happen, there have got to be other things to happen. Well, some of the things are happening now that are lining up for the tribulation. And if they're lining up for the tribulation, what does that mean as far as the rapture? That we're coming first. And I mean, I just want to encourage us all. I, I really believe. And of course, I know Paul said it's the last day. And it is. It's the last days anytime time after Jesus. But I mean, if you go back to 1948, there was no Israel And to have a peace pact made with the nation of Israel by the Antichrist, there had to be an Israel. And there wasn't one until 1948. And then you start counting all these different things down. If you stay 1950, there was no way that you're going to have technology to be able to put something on a hand or thing and be able to read it and have... There was none of that. And it wasn't until recent years that the whole world could see an event at one time. They couldn't see all that. And I just wanted you to... I wish I'd have brought that picture... Uh, we already know at the very beginning of the tribulation, Turkey, Iran, and Russia are going to invade Israel. That's Ezekiel 38. If you go back about a month ago, Turkey, Iran, and Russia gave an agreement. I got a picture of the three, the three ones standing there with their hands up like this saying, we have made an agreement. That's never happened. Turkey was part of NATO. They were, now they're not. What changed? So as we're waiting, you know, it, it could be, it could be any time. So what are we supposed to be doing? Well, we're supposed to be walking in the power of the Holy Spirit based on the word of God, a walk of faith. We're supposed to be using our gifts, talents, and abilities to build up the body of Christ. So applications. Let's have an understanding of what we believe and why. We're looking at Paul's theology, Paul's teaching, but, but we, but, and, and here's what we should do. We got to be ready to give an answer. When people ask a question, what if somebody asks you something about, is there, is there a rapture, or what is this rapture, or what is this antichrist? Would you be able to know? 
would you know, what if somebody talked to you? I, I know Doug got to lead a guy to Christ this week. And, and what if Doug didn't know what to tell him? But Doug knew what to tell him. And the guy put his faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life. I mean, so are you ready to, to know what we believe and why? To be ready to give an answer to everyone for the hope that is within us. So we got to be ready to do that. Let's understand the basics of the Christian life. It is a walk of faith in the power of the Holy Spirit based on the Word of God. And we got a lot more detail and talking about walking by faith and it's the Bible and the power of the Holy Spirit and all of those things. But we we, we got to do that. And our goal is to make disciples. And, and think about this. That, that, that's what we do. And I would say that many believers, I, I could say it in a harsher way, most believers don't make disciples. Most believers don't take their gifts, talents, abilities, and serve and disciple and all that. And so, as Paul said, study it, apply it, and pass it on. Dig it yourself, live it out, and then train other people. That's what we're supposed to do. And then last but not least, let's use our spiritual gifts to equip believers to serve within the body of Christ. So, know your gifts. I used to teach, I've, t- I've told this many times, so it's not new, but I used to say it doesn't matter whether you know your gift or not. I'd say that, just get out serving. But the more I realize it, I think it is important that you do know. Now, you, you could say, I don't know my gifts, but I'm just going to start serving. That'd be great. And you're going to find things that you do not like, and you're going to find things that you go, wow, I love this. But it'd be great to kind of have an idea of where you're gifted, what God's done. To, I mean, I didn't know that I would have the gift of teaching. I didn't know that. I trusted Christ, was growing as a Christian, studying the Bible, and the pastor Knapp came to me and said, I want you to teach a Sunday. We had a Sunday night thing very similar to our Bible Institute, but it was on Sunday night, and we had different courses taught. And he said, I want you to teach a basic Christianity course. I said, well, Knapp, I've never taught anything. I said, I think you can teach. I've watched how you interact. He said, I think you, I think you know enough of the Bible, and I think you, you can teach. And I was so scared. Hello, everyone. Thanks for coming tonight. I was so scared. And as I started talking and I started teaching and, I, you know, and, all, and all of a sudden, I loved it. Now, that didn't mean I didn't study and dig it and put it together. And, but, but when you have a spiritual gift, God uses those gifts. So know your gifts and be faithful to serve. That's the key.